How ready is BYU truthfully to go into the Big 12 Conference? Well, according to Brett Yormark, they're in a good spot going in, and BYU summer camps are underway, and that means a bevy of offers going out from the BYU football program. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listener today, and thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports, and once again, thank you to all of you for checking out the show, whether you're watching it on YouTube or listening to it on the various podcast platforms or on every single one of them out there in the universe, it feels like. But let's dive right in on today's show and talk about what's going on with BYU. Obviously, we are under a month until BYU enters the Big 12 Conference officially. feels like it's been coming for a long time, and for good reason. It has. September 10th, 2021 was the first, uh, I guess the first day that BYU officially knew they were going to be a member of the Big 12. Now, other people inside the program knew before that, but the official announcement of that invitation came on September 10th, 2021. Well, July 1st, 2023 will be the date that BYU joins the other three programs, speaking of Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF, becoming officially members of the Big 12 Conference. And during the spring meeting uh, wrap-up media availability this past week, Brett Yormark was asked the question about how ready really these newcomers are to go into the conference. I thought he had a pretty good answer, and I think it goes in line with a lot of what I think, and we'll talk about this. I'm going to get the quote out of the way first here. Uh, Quote, Having observed where the four schools have been over the past nine months, they've had two years and a two-year runaway effectively to get ready, Yormark said. They have had built infrastructure, they've invested resources, and I'm really pleased with where they are at right now, unquote. Now, each one of the programs, as he mentions, are probably in different spots because Cincinnati's announced that they want to invest heavily in infrastructure. Uh, Houston has indicated they want to do something similar. UCF already has had a pretty good uh, setup, it feels like, for their football program, but it wouldn't surprise me that they they would announce something relatively soon, and I'm going to assume that BYU, at some point down the road here, will announce some infrastructure upgrades, whether that's upgrades to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, maybe building a football-specific facility uh, for just the football program, like they've done for BYU men's and women's basketball with the Marriott Center Annex. be very plausible in my mind to see some of that stuff coming, but I agree with uh, Commissioner Yormark that each one of these schools has done their absolute darndest to be ready for this football program. Any of you who have listened to this pr- uh, podcast over the past two years or whatever it's been since that official announcement came, have heard me talk about the fact that BYU has been investing heavily in terms of trying to upgrade the overall structure of BYU athletics, most notably in terms of staff members inside uh, BYU athletics. Uh, and I can go straight, point straight, point, point you directly to BYU Sports Information, upgrading the number of staffers, full-time staffers in particular, on that side of things. For the BYU football program, we've seen them uh, hire the full complement of strength and conditioning coaches. We've seen them upgrade the 
the recruiting staff, behind the scenes staffers, bringing in multiple more bodies into that program. And I think it extends out to every other program, BYU men's basketball, women's basketball, and every other program it feels like in between. They've all been given the opportunity to see their uh, coffers in a way be expanded and at the same time see more staff members join their respective programs to give them the best chance of being competitive year one in the Big 12. Now, are all these uh, programs going to be competitive year one? Is it going to go smoothly for BYU to make the transition to the Big 12? I don't think so. I do think there's going to be bumps in the road for BYU as they try and really figure out what they... There's that whole adage of you don't know what you don't know. And I think that's something that BYU is going to realize as they officially enter the Big 12 Conference and start operating under what the Big 12 Conference standards, the, the overall bylaws and expectations for them as a member of the Big 12 Conference, they're going to have to adapt to some new ways of how they've operated. BYU football in particular has operated with a fair amount of uh, autonomy over the past decade plus as an independent football program. They've been able to do things that other programs simply weren't able to do, and I'll point directly to that COVID year in 2020. BYU was not hampered or held back by a conference making an asinine decision to not play football. Looking at you, Pac-12, but uh, BYU was able to go out and schedule who they were able to, and they were able to cobble together a 12-game schedule and really became one of the toasts of the town, as it were, during that 2020 season. Now, BYU obviously be happy to be working within the structure and the framework that the Big 12 is going to offer to them, but BYU's done their absolute best to upgrade in all parts that they possibly can imagine going into. I guess the one thing, if I were to say that the one thing that seems to be lacking is BYU announcing, similar to a Cincinnati, major infrastructure upgrades, meaning a football-specific facility, upgrades potentially to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, which I personally think are much needed. But nonetheless, I think those will be coming down the road for BYU. The other thing about BYU that is a little bit dissimilar to the other three uh, members of this conference is BYU's whole mantra as an athletic department is you eat what you kill. You are only able, if, as BYU Athletics, to spend the money that you generate yourself. All of these other programs, by and large, I'm not sure about Baylor's situation, but every other program that's a land-grant or a state-sponsored institution of higher learning, which is the vast majority of the Big 12, they are getting money from Central Campus. They are getting it from the university themselves to subsidize their athletic department. That's not the way that things work at BYU. It never has been that way. BYU Athletics has always had to rely on self sufficient funds to keep itself operating. Now, BYU is going to have more money coming in than they've ever had before in the history of their athletic department. The TV money alone beginning in 2025, that $31.7 million that's been reported that BYU will be a part of is far more and probably doubles or triples the overall income television rights wise that BYU's ever had. Even at their height of maybe their independent era, they've never seen that much money coming in. So, going to be obviously be incumbent on, upon BYU to invest that money wisely, make sure that they have their rear ends covered on all fronts. But I would imagine that you will continue to see BYU continue to upgrade as they make the jump here to the Big 12. But let me reiterate, I really like how BYU's gone about things. For years, they made do with short-staffed everything it felt like. Sports information, the football program, basketball. Trust me, I've had so many conversations with so many members of different staffs inside the BYU Athletic department. And one of the common refrains back in the day uh, until recently has been that, hey, we have to do more with less. The BYU made like a point to be like, you know what? We, we, we do things on a shoestring budget around here. 
You no longer have to operate that way if you're BYU. You're going to have tens and upon tens of millions of dollars coming in. And that's going to obviously give you an opportunity to do a lot of things that maybe you've had strategic plans for and saying, years down the line, we'd like to do this, this, and this. Well, maybe those timelines get sped up a little bit here. But I'm, I'm appreciative of uh, Commissioner Yormark being very open and honest, saying that they've had a two-year runway. And in a, in a way, he's saying, hey, that you've had plenty of time. You should be able to come in and be on a fairly good footing as a Big 12 uh, conference member, speaking of all four of the new coming into the conference, but like I said, there's that whole adage, you don't know what you don't know, and BYU's done their absolute best, especially in the football realm, to be as uh, ready for the transitions they possibly can be, and the nice part is BYU's top dog, speaking of Kalani Sitake, as well as his top two lieutenants, speaking of offensive coordinator Aaron uh, Roderick, as well as defensive coordinator Jay Hill, were all on Kyle Whittingham's staff at Utah when Utah made their own transition from the Mountain West Conference to the Pac-12, so they know some of the pitfalls that BYU easily could have found themselves in, and they will be able to kind of work around that and obviously be able to avoid falling into that same issue that Utah faced. The other thing about this is BYU has been given a benefit via the transfer portal in particular, and this goes to all programs for BYU. They've been given a gift in the transfer portal where you can have athletes come in right away who can upgrade the overall talent base of your program and immediately give you a boost in terms of your overall competitiveness as you go into the Big 12 now. So, I think a lot of good things are going the way the BYU should and wants them to go. But like I said, there's going to be things that inevitably, once you get into the conference, when you're actually inside, you, you're officially official, all the signatures are signed, ink's dried on those contracts, whatever needs to happen to officially make it so BYU is a Big 12 program, there will inevitably be things that pop up here and there that BYU will have to adjust to and obviously learn how to deal with on the fly. But I'm I'm of the opinion that BYU is ready for all of it. They, they've uh, they've really talked the, the talk, and for the most part, they've walked the walk, financially speaking, over the past year plus as they've gotten ready to make this jump to the Big 12. And I, for one, cannot wait to see what the future holds because, like I said, I feel like the next thing for BYU is the actual physical facilities. I would say you need to upgrade Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The Smithfield House has been a phenomenal venue, but, folks, it is so old. It may be the oldest building that's not been retrofitted on BYU's campus. I'm dead serious about that. It needs to be redone. Obviously, what are the future plans for the Provo High Campus across? University Avenue over there. Once HVAC and the Harris Fine Arts facility is all done, they can move those uh, staffers out of that. What are they ultimately going to do with that facility? Could that become the new BYU Athletics Campus? Could it be the site of a potential future home of the new Lavelle Edwards Stadium? There is so much to be answered on that front, but hey, Good news is BYU is doing everything they can, at least for year one in the Big 12, to be ready to make that transition and go in and hopefully make some noise right away. And uh, we'll all sit back and obviously enjoy the spoils of being uh, fans of BYU, watching them make this transition to the Big 12 and have an opportunity to watch them really uh, grow uh, in kind of their new role as a member of this conference. All right, coming up here in just a minute, uh, we're going to flip over and talk about BYU summer camps. Obviously, they have these all uh, of June mainly. They usually ran them right until the end of June is when they really ran them. But it also comes with a bevy of offers going out to a number of athletes who showed up at those camps. We'll talk about some of the offers that went out on Monday in particular, and we'll also look back at another game in BYU football history. This one's a little bit painful because it's an in-state rivalry beatdown that came essentially via a meltdown on BYU side of things. We'll 
talk about all of that here in just a moment. Now, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. Get to FanDuel today for or make a fast break, as they say, to FanDuel during the NBA Finals, my friends. Right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet of up to $2,500. You heard that right, $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The best part is about FanDuel, they've got new promotions every single day trying to make it fresh and as exciting as they possibly can be. It's a safe and secure app knowing that your information and your money is not at risk to people who might be have prying eyes digitally out there. And what I think is the best part, you can get paid out instantly. There's no having to hit a reserve amount of money to get paid out by uh, by FanDuel. They'll pay you right away. So that's that's what I love about what FanDuel is doing here. So no, there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action with our friends at FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet of up to $2,500. $2,500, my friends. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to check it out now. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's podcast, we're probably going to have a little bit shorter of an edition on Thursday, so I'm actually going to move the mailbag to tomorrow. So I've had a couple of you already sent, submit some questions earlier this week, and I will continue to solicit those. If you've got them, would love nothing more than for you guys to have your uh, vo- your voice digitally, I guess I should say, heard on this podcast. By the way, little, little uh, Birdie little to- told me just a couple days ago, there's going to be a new service coming that's going to uh, kind of complement this, where we actually to have more direct access to me as your host here on Locked On Cougars. Stay tuned. That'll be coming later this summer. But uh, if you have questions, comments, whatever you got for us, submit those via social media, via our email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. We'd love nothing more than for you guys to have your voice heard on tomorrow's, we'll call it a mailbag edition of Locked On Cougars. All right, uh, moving on now. Uh, obviously, BYU is holding their first of what will be several uh, summer camps for BYU football. Uh BYU coaches, uh, their analysts, all of them are out there at uh, multiple fields on the BYU campus with hundreds upon hundreds of football players from all over the country. High school talent is what I'm talking about. Guys who are four- and five-star prospects have been known to frequent BYU, and uh, guys who have just hopes and dreams of potentially walking on at BYU will also make the trek down to Provo for these camps. But with that comes a bevy of offers that go out in the immediate aftermath of the of these deals, and it's 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 a tell as old as time. BYU wants to see some of these guys with their own eyes, speaking of the coaches, and once they get them in camp, usually you can tell pretty much right away in their minds if they've watched all the film they've watched as well. They've got a pretty good idea if they want to offer this kid, but then they want to just get one last evaluation of them. Well, this gives you that opportunity to do that at these BYU summer camps. And as of recording of this podcast, I did this on uh, Monday night, so there are four offers I'm going to highlight here. Uh, two of them are twin brothers from the Bay Area out in California, uh, the Vete brothers. Brothers, uh, Kalepi Vete and Siosua uh, Vete. I hope I pronounced their last name, even Siosua's first name correctly. Both of them, offensive linemen, uh, Daryl Funk, BYU offensive line coach, issuing the offer. Now, these are both young prospects. Uh, both Vete brothers are twins that are members of the 2025 class. So they would not be members of the current uh, upcoming class, but they are highly, highly thought of junior prospects. And both of them have great, great size. Siosua uh, has got, uh, he's six foot six, 250. 55 pounds according to 24-7 sports, whereas Kalepi is 6'5", 250 pounds, and Kalepi apparently has played some defensive end during his time 
uh, playing in high school. They play for Tennyson High School in Hayward, California. Uh, they both list uh, uh, Tonga as their hometown on Twitter. So I wonder if they uh, made the move from the islands uh, stateside to play high school football. But both of them, uh, really, really nice talents. Sio uh, Sua is getting a lot more of the attention out there. Uh, like I said, I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. He is currently a 24-7 sports composite four-star prospect in the 2025 class, whereas Kalepi is not currently rated uh, by 24-7 sports or their composite ratings. So uh, it could be a package deal here where BYU thinks, hey, if Kalepi is interested in coming, maybe he can draw his brother, who is considered to be the better talent, to Provo. But we'll find out. There's a bevy of offers that have gone out to these guys. Uh, Siosua uh, lists offers from Arizona, Baylor, Cal, Nevada. Uh, Kalepi's got offers currently from Baylor uh, and Nevada, as well as BYU. So I think both of them could be uh, bookend tackles if everything pans out for the BYU football program with their recruitment. But that's a ways down the line because, like I said, they're members of the 2025 recruiting class. But it's always good to see BYU jumping into the to the fray with some of these guys. It's something that I've really appreciated about BYU's recruiting efforts of late is they're not afraid to offer high-level talent. They, they're like, we're a Power 5 program. We're just as good as any of these other programs. They play in the same level of football that we're going to be playing at. Why not come do it here in Provo? So uh, good to see the Vette brothers getting that opportunity. Now, other offers that went out were two local offers, and I actually like both of these offers because I've had my own eyeball on these two young men. The first one we'll talk about is Nuku Mafi, uh, offensive and defensive lineman uh, from West High School up there in Salt Lake City. Now, Mafi was listed as both an offensive and defensive lineman in his recruiting profile, but he said, after a great phone call with Daryl Funk, I'm very blessed and humbled to receive another offer to BYU. So, uh, Mafi figures to uh, translate to the offensive line, and the thing I like about him is he's got size, once again, that, that grades out very well for an offensive lineman. Whereas the Vette brothers might be a little bit skinny right Right now, his juniors, like I said, weighing 250 and 255 pounds. But uh, Nuku Mafi, he is a 2024 prospect, so he's this coming recruiting class, 6'5", 295 pounds, and he has been a huge, huge part of a great turnaround under uh, being undertaken by the West High Panthers. West, for a long time, was seeing a lot of their talent scatter around the Salt Lake Valley and playing for other programs. East, uh, even some guys making the trek as far south as Bingham. They have really done a really good job of keeping talent at home, and Nuku Mafi is one of those guys. I've had an opportunity to watch him. I did not get a chance to call one of his games last year for West, but I've watched enough of his film just kind of scouring the internet and looking at prospects in the state. I really like Mafi's game. This is a kid who I think could be a fantastic uh, uh, just option for BYU if they're able to garner his signature. Like I said, great size, 6'5", 295 pounds. So he comes uh, essentially with all of the size and frame you want, and the nice part is you can continue to mold that frame as time goes on. Now, the the other local prospect, and I've had a chance to call one of his games, is Grayson Brousseau. He is from Lehigh High School, a stone's throw away from where I'm located in Saratoga Springs. Brousseau, if that last name sounds familiar, his older brother Jackson Brousseau was the star quarterback for the Lehigh Pioneers, currently uh, playing for Colorado State out there in Fort Collins. Now, Grayson uh, dwarfs his uh, older brother. He is six foot six, and all of that, by the way. It's not a six foot six that's listed, and you're like, oh, he may be six five. No. The way I've seen Grayson Brousseau play, he is legit six foot six, two 225 pounds. He plays tight end. Now, obviously, I wonder how much of a pull his brother playing at Colorado State may have for him. 
There was uh, some thought that Jackson may get some late interest from BYU as a quarterback prospect, but that never materialized. I wonder how much that may play into Grayson's potential interest with regards to going to BYU, but he would add to an already impressive stable of tight ends for BYU because Grayson is a 2024 prospect as well. So he'd be in this upcoming recruiting class, and he would be a welcome, welcome addition. He plays more, uh, I know that it's an easy comparison because they're both Lehigh pioneers, but think of what Dallin Holker was for BYU where he wasn't necessarily your traditional tight end. He's more of that Y tight end, that split tight end who plays as a quote-unquote slot receiver type. That's what Grayson Brousseau uh, has flashed during most of his time at Lehigh. But one thing I will give to Grayson that I did not see from Dallin much in high school, and I, like I said, I had a chance to see both of them at the high school level. Grayson gets after it in the blocking realm more than Dallin did. And that's nothing against Dallin, because Dallin, I thought, developed just fine at BYU in terms of his overall blocking prowess. But Grayson seems more willing to get after it uh, with his blocking and I think that's a that's a really, really good sign for a kid who is a tight end prospect. It's too easy for a number of these guys who are high-level pass-catching types, like Grayson is, to say, you know what, I catch touchdowns. I'm not necessarily worried about the blocking element. College coaches want to see guys who will get down in the trenches and get nasty and get after it. And that's when I think Grayson has flashed at times during his time at, at, at Lehigh. His role in Lehigh's offense is not to play that all the time. Let me be very clear about that. But like I said, when he has been given the opportunity to do opportunity to do that, I've been very impressed with his skill set. So I think that Grayson would be a fantastic pickup for BYU. But once again, let me add, I just do wonder a little bit how uh, the relationship with his brother, BYU, in the past may influence all that. But but, hey, time will tell. And obviously, he, he hasn't, I, I, to my knowledge, he's not said that he's tied to the hip with his brother in terms of his uh, playing college football. And obviously, BYU sees him as a high-level prospect and wants to bring him in. Uh, by the way, I believe both of the last two I just talked about, both uh, Grayson Brousseau as well as Nuku Mafi, both of them three-star prospects currently, according to most uh, recruiting services out there. All right, final note before we go on today's show is another quick look back at a BYU football game that I'd rather forget. And that's a game in, 20, in 2017. BYU went to Logan to face off against Utah State in a game that, oof, this one, this one hurts to, just to think back on because I was not at this game. I actually had plans to go up to it, had a family event that actually required that I stay back, but I'll be honest, kind of glad I missed it because BYU went to Logan and raced out, by the way, with Bo Hodge leading the way to a 21-7 lead. And you're like, okay, life's pretty good for BYU right now. Well, then Bo Hodge gets hurt. Uh, he had started the game. He was 5 of 9, 95 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Ula Tolita had a really, really nice game in his own right, uh, going for 102 yards, uh, career high at that point for BYU in this game. And like I said, BYU was up 21 to 7. And then the wheels just absolutely came off for BYU. I know our good friend Aggie Fan Dan will be able to uh, talk about this forever. Uh, but uh, BYU, after going up 21 to 7 early in the second quarter, the next 13 BYU possessions featured this four interceptions. Three lost fumbles, two punts, three turnovers on down, and a field goal. Brutal. By the way, uh, two of those interceptions returned for touchdowns. Jalen Davis had three of the interceptions himself. He had a hat trick of picks. Uh, like I said, two of them he took back for touchdowns. One of them off of uh, Bo Hodge. The other off Coy Detmer, who came into this game in relief of uh, Bo Hodge in this game. Coy Detmer struggled mightily. 7 of 20, 91 yards, and the three interceptions that he tossed. Like I said, just a brutal, brutal, just, just, I don't know how you describe it. Just the wheels fell off for BYU. Complete just bust for BYU in this one. They ended up losing the game 40 to 24. And I'm not going to lie with how the back 
three quarters, uh, two and a half quarters of that game went. The fact that it was 40 to 24 as the final tally is just a small miracle in a way because Utah State could have easily tacked on. It felt like more points in this one. But Kent Myers ended up 16 of 27 for two touchdowns. Also had an interception in this game. He also ran for another touchdown to make uh, three scores for him. But Utah State just absolutely made life miserable. Like I said, after BYU opened up with a 21 to 7 lead at that point, uh, you were like, okay, BYU's got to, they're on their way to uh, correcting the ship. They may be able to rectify the season. No, Utah State had other ideas, and BYU, simply put, did not help themselves in any way, shape, or form. We'll talk about the misery extending for BYU on tomorrow's show as we continue to look back at this 2017 season, just kind of reliving this because I was covering this team heavily at that point. Uh, Some absolutely miserable moments, and we'll talk about Boise State coming to Provo uh, on tomorrow's show. Uh, Tanner Mangum actually returned to the lineup in that game against Boise State against his hometown team, a guy from Eagle, Idaho, but did not go the way the BYU wanted to go, and we'll talk about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. A big thank you to all of you for your support. Uh, by the way, uh, Coach John Wardenberg, uh, thank you for watching. I actually found out he actually watches the podcast, so uh, it was good to hear him. He reached out and said, thank you for your kind words on the welcome back to BYU. We'll be rooting on uh, BYU women's basketball, obviously, with Coach Wardenberg and Coach Whiting. Uh, leading the way there, but uh, big thank you, similar to Coach Wardenberg, to all of you, I, and I'm, not, I'm just sing- singling him out because he sent me an email yesterday about it, but a big thank you to all of you, regardless, for all of your support of the podcast. It means the world to me. Big thank you to all of you for truthfully making this your first listen of the day. Thank you for being everydayers and checking out the podcast on a daily basis. Uh, it's a labor of love. It really is, but it's a ton of fun to do at the same time, but nonetheless, hope you guys have a great rest of your day whenever you hear this, and I hope you guys are all doing well. We'll return with you guys uh, tomorrow, talking more about what going on in BYU sports with a mailbag edition of the podcast. So tune in then. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.